home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 31 of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. My name is Doug, and this week I want to talk about real estate, or more specifically, one of the cornerstones that you think of when you think about real estate, and that is the open house. What I want to do is share with you a handful of the open houses that I've been to and the mistakes that were made and the lessons that can be learned from them. So whether you're thinking of selling or buying, you'll want to stay tuned. Let's get started. Over the last 25 years, I have attended at least 100 open houses, probably more, for a variety of reasons that I will get into in just a moment. But first, let's get something out of the way. Some experts say that open houses are a waste of time for the seller, that houses rarely sell at an open house, that agents will use an open house as an opportunity to market other competing properties. And there may be some truth to that, but I want to tell you that from my personal experience of the three houses that I put offers in on, I had seen two of them at open houses first. The third house, the one where we live now, that was actually a special case because it had just hit the market and our offer was one of multiple offers before there was even an opportunity for the seller to have an open house. But open houses do work. Mind you, it's not like I'd whip out my checkbook right there on Sunday. I would either call my real estate agent later that day or Monday morning and say that I'd seen an open house and I want to take a closer look at it. But the process started with the open house. As for the seller's agent using an open house to sell other properties besides the one they are showing, yeah, that does happen. Usually the conversation will go something like this. You walk into an open house, you look around, the agent engages with you to get a feel for your level of interest. And they will ask you what it is that you're looking for. And if that house isn't necessarily a good fit for you, they will say that, you know what, I have these other properties that you might be interested in. The seller would probably not be happy if they heard that conversation because... You know, you're supposed to be selling my house. But here's the thing. You might not be interested in that house, but you might know someone who is. I went to an open house on the weekend and I saw a house that would be perfect for you. Real estate is all about networking and making connections. And the open house is a big part of that. So anyway, let me take you back. Back, 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 back way back to the mid-1990s. I was living in an apartment, facing yet another rent increase and getting the itch to have my money work for me, you know, instead of making the landlord rich. I was ready to buy a house. So I started going to open houses. I had a specific type of house in mind. Having grown up in a ranch-style house with three bedrooms and a full basement, that was what I wanted. Not necessarily the ranch style, but a minimum of three bedrooms and a full basement. I was single at the time, but I was looking for 
a forever house. Something that I could grow into when or if I started a family. And I also had a price range in mind as well. One of the houses that I looked at was a two-bedroom, single level, with no basement. Not far from where I was living at the time, so I knew the area. It was one of several houses that I looked at that day, and I think I was actually just driving by. I don't think I had that on my itinerary. I just was driving by. I saw the open house sign out front, and there was still some time left, so why not? I'll take a look at it. I go in. The agent greets me, and he hands me the information sheet. And right away, I could tell that this house did not fulfill my criteria. No basement. Strike one. Only two bedrooms. Strike two. The agent proceeds to tell me at some point that it is a slab-on-grade construction. I don't think I knew exactly what that meant at the time, but the way he said it, It sounded like a negative. Strike three. The house wasn't much bigger than my apartment, so in my mind, it represented a lateral move. Even with one additional bedroom, I still wasn't overly impressed. The carpets were old, and they would have to be replaced, and the agent agreed with that, and he also pointed out that there was this musty smell, probably because the house had been closed up for a while. Yeah, Nice of the agent to point out the flaws with the house, but I digress. As I am preparing to leave, I thank him for his time. He he tells me that it's a power of attorney or an estate sale situation and that it would probably go somewhere in the 60s. The asking price, I think, was something like $79,000, which was the typical mid-range price for a house of that size at that time. But I tell him that it's not quite what I'm looking for, and I walk out the door. Even now, almost a quarter century later, I am still kicking myself. First of all, take my naivety naivete, out of the question. I mean, what did I know? The agent failed. He failed his client. He failed me. Not that he was working for me, but he failed both of us, and here's why. During our conversation, I had told him that I was a first-time buyer. He had a real opportunity to sell this house, but It was the end of the day, and he was probably feeling defeated after an unsuccessful open house. So when he saw that I wasn't all that interested, he didn't really try. When he said that something in the 60s would take it, he didn't emphasize how much the house would be worth if it showed well or if it was a normal sale. Instead, he focused on the negatives. Slab on grade. Musty smell. (laughs) Musty smell. Estate sale. Uh, Let's do the math on that, shall we? Did somebody die in the house and nobody found them for a few days? Gotta wonder. But even though he knew that I was a first-time buyer, he did not sell me on the concept of the property ladder. 
you know, start small, build equity, sell, move up. He didn't tell me that my mortgage payments could be less than my rent and that I was gaining a bedroom and a yard to boot. How much less? Well, I just did the math and it's about $125 a month, which was huge at the time. He didn't tell me that I, if I paid the same as rent, take what I was paying for the apartment and put that towards the house or just a little bit more. I could be mortgage-free after 15 years. He could have suggested that I would be happier with a smaller house to start with since I was a first-time buyer. You know, get used to the homeownership. It's easier to take care of, that sort of thing. That I wouldn't need three bedrooms and a basement until I started a family. And that even if I did start a family, I wouldn't necessarily have to upsize for a few years. And in that time, I could build several thousand dollars in equity. Nope. He let me walk away. And walk away, I did. And no doubt, somebody eventually picked out that house for a song, but he had a potential buyer at that open house that day. As a real estate agent, he should have realized that even if I didn't. That may have been the first time I had a seller's real estate agent tell me that a house was overpriced, but it certainly wouldn't be the last. On the surface, you can understand their frustration when a seller has an overinflated sense of what their house is worth. Telling potential buyers that a house is overpriced may at least generate an offer where they might otherwise just dismiss the house outright. And that was probably the case of a house that my wife and I looked at. Ranch-style house, backing onto some marshland and a major river with canal rights. The house itself was, mm, meh. For me, the lack of a garage at that price point with our budget was a deal-breaker. I questioned where a garage could be built, and the agent replied, Anywhere you want. Yeah, that sounds good, but I knew that it would never be that easy. It couldn't be, especially given the proximity to a protected natural area. Agents should never, I repeat, never volunteer that kind of information unless they're absolutely certain of their claims. Anyway, this house didn't exactly check off all of our boxes. And I think we were politely edging our way out the door. And I may have commented on settling cracks in the living room ceiling and lamented further about the lack of a garage when the agent told us, quite frankly, that he had tried to explain to the seller that the house was overpriced. Imagine the seller's reaction if she overheard that conversation. I mean... If the agent felt that the seller wanted too much, he needed to do a better job of conveying that. But once the contract was signed, that was the price he should have been trying to get. Now, it was okay for him to tell us that it never hurts to put in an offer, but he should have tried to steer us towards offering full ask. Instead, he was basically saying, I know the seller wants too much. 
I tried telling her that she's asking too much. So if you offer less, you will vindicate me. (laughs) I can imagine him going back to the seller saying, See, I told you so. Would he have even been able to convince the seller to work with a lower offer? I don't know. But I stand by my original assertion that it's the seller's agent's job to convince potential buyers that a house is worth the asking price. How much are canal rights worth anyway? We didn't have a boat. I wonder if we could have rented out our dock or whatever. We know nothing about that stuff. And really, he didn't try to educate us. While my wife and I were living in the small house that I bought when I was single, we would waffle over whether we wanted a bigger house or if we were happy to stay where we were. My wife was never 100% comfortable in that house because it was more my house than our house since I had bought it before we met. So we would have these occasions where we were sort of in the market to sell our house and move into something bigger. We would look at houses that we were interested in buying, of course, but we would also look at other houses in our neighborhood to gauge what our house might be worth. Our neighborhood was mostly built in the 1950s, but there was a new construction raised ranch down the road that had been built after I moved into the neighborhood. So, of course, we jumped at the opportunity to check it out when it hit the market. How would our 50-year-old house stack up against a two-year-old house. So we attended the open house. I can't really remember the time of year. I would like to say it was fall because I seem to remember it being cool outside. And the first thing that hit us when we walked inside was the heat. It was quite uncomfortable. The house was also somewhat dark inside. The drapes or blinds should have been open to bring in as much light as possible. The other thing that hit us was the aroma. Now, it's a known tactic to bake bread or cookies to make a house feel homey and possibly to mask other odors, but this was not that. This was the heavy smell of a roast and gravy. And I mean heavy. You know that feeling after a Sunday meal when you eat too much and you have to let your belt out before you fall asleep in a chair in the family room? Yeah, it kind of smelled like that. The smell of gastric discomfort. Anyway, there were other people already looking around inside, as this was a rather busy open house. As my eyes became accustomed to the darkness, but before we started looking around, I could see the walls of the open concept kitchen and dining room, dining area. On the wall, at about chair rail height, was what appeared to be a hand-painted border, mostly a solid color of animals. Or maybe it was something else. My memory may not be completely accurate, but at any rate, I looked at my wife and under my breath I said, Yeesh. You had had to paint over those stencils. And right when I said that, a lady that had been moving around in the kitchen opened the oven door to tend to the cooking. And I realized immediately that she was the homeowner. And worse than that, she was probably most likely the one who had painted that border. Now, I didn't say it loud enough that she would have heard me, but the agent was within earshot. 
Embarrassed, I said to him something like, oh, Sorry, I, uh, I didn't realize that was the homeowner. He smiled and quietly said that he had tried to get her to leave during the open house, but she insisted on staying. Yeah, it is always a bad idea for the seller to be home during an open house. It's awkward for the people attending as they won't feel comfortable talking about what they're looking at. It's awkward for the agent who will not be able to get accurate feedback from the people attending. And it's also awkward for the seller because nobody wants to hear that their hand-painted stencil work will be painted over. Seriously, nobody wants their personal taste called into question. I remember when we were selling our first house, one of the negatives was that it only had one bathroom. Mind you, it was big enough for the three of us. Of course, my daughter was still a baby at the time. But it had been big enough for the family of five that lived in the house before I bought it. But when we got an offer on the house, the, that buyer was talking about having to put a bathroom in the basement. The basement that I had just finished remodeling. Oh my God, she wanted to undo some of my hard work. Now, I'm a big boy. I know that once someone buys a house, it's theirs, and they can do whatever they want to it. But I have to admit that a little part of me died inside when it was suggested that my renovation may have been less than perfect. But yeah, people like to talk about that sort of thing all the time at open houses. What they would change if they bought the house. And sellers don't necessarily want to hear that. So the lesson here is that if you are selling your house, stay away from any open houses or showings. That is, of course, if you can. That's the advantage of dealing with a real estate agent. You don't have to be around. If you're selling it yourself, on the other hand, you have no choice but to be present. There was this other open house that my wife and I attended looking at a potential purchase. We'd been to a few open houses already that day, and this one was probably number four or five. As we walked in, we were greeted at the door and handed an information sheet. As we took off our shoes, I always take off my shoes when going through someone else's house. That's just the way I was brought up. As we took off our shoes, I glanced around looking at the living room. Numerous paintings were hanging on the walls and there were some easels set up in the middle of the room displaying more paintings. We wandered into the living room and I commented to my wife, Oh, they're artsies. And I could feel my wife's glare like a sharp elbow to my ribs. Or maybe it was an actual sharp elbow to my ribs. <laughs> No, I, I think it was just a glare. Anyway, this was a for sale by owner. And it was the owner that had handed us the information sheet. And the owner, no doubt, heard my artsy comment. Now, to defend myself, I have a liberal arts degree. 
a BA in English, so I am basically considered an artsy myself. So I meant absolutely no disrespect at all. Of course, the seller didn't necessarily know that, and, um, well, I was as embarrassed as my wife was. Again, I had to sheepishly apologize after putting my foot in my mouth. The seller took it in stride, and his wife, who was also there, piped up and proudly said that they liked the idea of turning their living room into their own personal art gallery. I commented that it was actually kind of cool. Definitely better than not using the living room at all, which was what I had grown up with. Even though I was able to smooth things over after my faux pas, the rest of our visit to that open house felt awkward. When we sold our money pit, our real estate agent was absolutely adamant that we not be present for any of the showings. I suggested that it might be a good idea for me to be around to answer any questions about the house, but she insisted, no, that was not a good idea. Stay away. Let her do her job. And looking back, I think that was probably pretty good advice. Nothing against people who do the for sale by owner thing, but just be aware that the owner being present in any capacity can change the dynamic and may actually get in the way of a sale. I did go to an open house that was a for sale by owner when we were trying to gauge the value of our money pit when we decided that we would be selling it. The gentleman greeted me at the front door. I explained why I was there just to get a feel for the real estate values so we could decide what upgrades to make before putting our house on the market. He said that was okay. That he already had an offer on the house anyway, and it looked like it was going to be a done deal. But he still invited me in to take a look around. He gave me a bit of the history. He had built the house 14 years ago. He explained that the kitchen was small, but his family made it work. You just have to pay attention to your inventory. And as we walked through to another room, he pointed out the wood floors that he had just refinished. I looked down at the glossy surface over the distressed wood. Almost seemed like weathered barn wood with these deep grooves and scratches from what I imagined to be a century or more of exposure to the elements. However, that illusion was soon shattered. This house, he said, has been lived in. We have a dog. We love our dog. The distressing of the floor was canine in origin. Big dog, long nails. Now, that didn't phase me at all. My wife and I are dog people. We've always had at least one dog in our family, beginning with her beagle terrier that predated our relationship. Nail gouges and wood floors, to us, simply character. Other people, though, may not see it that way. And if I was one of those people, I might prefer to live with the fantasy of 
reclaimed barn wood. (laughs) Just saying. A homeowner doesn't always know when to be quiet and let the house do the talking. Of course, when a house talks, it says things that you may not want it to say. The experts will always tell you to declutter and depersonalize your house so that prospective buyers can more easily see themselves in that space. Now, as a prospective buyer, I never really paid that much attention to family photos, except in this one instance. This wasn't an open house. It was a private showing arranged by our agent. The seller and the seller's real estate agent were not present. I actually don't know if it was ever an open house, but I thought that I would share this with you anyway, because it's definitely one that stands out in my memory. First of all, there was a wall of old, and by old, I mean old, like from the 20s or 30s, black and white portraits in the living room. Definite creep factor. And there were other more recent photos in other areas of the house of an older couple. It actually almost felt like we were being watched or followed as we moved through the house. As we made our way into the master bedroom, there on the dresser was a funeral card with the lady's picture on it. I didn't notice the date, so I don't know how recent it was, but that was likely the reason for the house going on the market. The gentleman may have been moving into an apartment or a retirement home, or maybe he had predeceased his wife and this was strictly an estate sale. Whatever the case, this house definitely had its ghosts. Oh, yeah, it also had aluminum wiring and very squeaky floors and the basement needed work. And But the pictures, the funeral notice. <sighs> this was definitely a case where the house didn't show as well as it could have. Within a minute of walking in, I had already written it off. I think my wife still saw some potential, but our daughter was definitely the most creeped out of the three of us. And those initial impressions are difficult to override. And when it comes to first impressions, a house should be absolutely impeccable for an open house. But that isn't always the case. Here are some of what I've seen at open houses that did not show as well as they could have. There was one house that had pieces of scotch tape all over a bedroom wall. Obviously, it could have covered the wall with posters and had taken the posters down, but nobody bothered to remove the tape. I mean, who wants to do that when you first move into a house? Another house had refuse that was piled up in the corner of empty rooms. Really? You couldn't finish cleaning up after moving your stuff out? How about this one? Wallpaper. Everywhere. Uh, This really, I want to say cute. 
Do I have to turn in my man card if I say cute? New construction, Victorian-style house. Had wallpaper on every wall on the main floor. And it didn't all match. It clashed. And the idea of stripping all of it in order to paint to a solid color was daunting. Wallpaper is such a specific choice. And the agent actually had the audacity to call this house a four-bedroom. The master bedroom was on the main floor. The other three bedrooms were upstairs. However, the middle bedroom was only, I'd say, about six by eight. Obviously intended by the architect to be a bathroom, but with no plumbing roughed in. I don't think a room that size meets the minimum requirements for a bedroom, but the real estate agent was trying to sell it that way because they had a bed crammed in it. Yeah, right. Another open house we went to, we walked in and we could hear voices coming from around the corner from the entrance. There were probably four or five people sitting around the living room. It almost felt like we were interrupting a party. In fact, I questioned whether we were even in the right place. Was this actually an open house? Uh, someone said, yeah, yeah, we were in the right place. The information sheet's on the coffee table. Help yourself which we did, and we proceeded to look around the house. Now, the house wasn't quite what we were looking for, so as we were leaving, we politely said thank you and have a nice day in the general direction of the folks in the living room. Now, one of those folks would have been the agent. The other folks were probably the sellers and maybe a couple of their friends. At any rate, nobody got up at all to engage us, to talk to us, to even acknowledge that we were there other than just to say, grab the sheet. Very unprofessional. Now, just based on that, that house would not be up for consideration. And uh, we would definitely not consider using that agent ourselves. And I could go on. Every open house as a story. Well, I hope you found my experiences somewhat enlightening or entertaining. Open houses can be, shall we say, interesting. And they say that you only have one chance to make a first impression. And that is all that open houses are. First impressions. Maybe nobody buys at an open house, but they make the decision not to buy if the first impression is not a good one. The first impression determines whether a house gets a second look. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. As always, thank you for spending this time with me. If you can leave a rating in your favorite podcast directory, it would really help me out. So would telling a friend. You can find me at thumbandhammer.com and on Twitter at thumbandhammer, all one word. I'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Cheers.